Hello, tech friends, and thank you for tuning in to Emerging Technologies in Business, where we take a deep dive into different technologies that are impacting businesses today and in the very near future. I'm your host, Brock Reiney, and this podcast is brought to you by Kincannon XR. Let's talk tech. Today, I'm actually joined by Kyle Jackson, the CEO and co-founder of Tailspin, where they bring together domain expertise from computer vision, machine learning, game design and development, enterprise IT, business transformations to architect ways to change how we do work today. Tailspin is an immersive VR experience to train employees on soft skills. And to be honest with you, it's in the most interesting way I've ever experienced before. So I'm very excited to be joined by our guest, Kyle. Kyle, how's the day going so far for you? Good, good. Thanks, Brock. Thanks for having me. Well, Kyle, I want to uh, take a quick minute and Give everybody a, a quick elevator pitch of what Tailspin actually is and what it can do for the e-learning community. It's a um, uh, it's always a fun question to kind of try to start to unpack because we you know what we've had to do you know so we're about six years in and um, we've had to tell a slightly different version of that story as as the world started to have a better understanding of what we were trying to do and so um, right now most people know us as um, a no code platform that helps to develop. Uh, soft skills training modules that can be experienced in in VR and on uh, desktop in a really immersive manner. Um, but it's on a path towards uh, building what we consider a spatial learning experience platform. Um, and so, as you as you start to um, better understand the 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 shift that we're in the middle of uh, and how these new modalities, being VR and 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 augmented reality really start to transform um, our relationship to learning and our relationship to productivity. Um, it really, it really, there's a lot, there's a lot more innovation still ahead. And so uh, each chapter um, we, you know, we build on the last one. And, um, and I think we did find a use case. I think that even your point, Brock, like we did find a use case um, that was really novel. Uh, at, you know, uh, it probably was not the first place that most people's uh, minds went when they saw VR early on in, in this, in this wave. And um, and it's really you know caught um, a very strong uh, tailwind. So it really has. I've got to tell you, just from experiencing firsthand, um, it's super immersive. Completely, obviously, I'm utilizing it inside of the Oculus Quest Two, and going through one of the modules, it was amazing to me first how wrong I was most of the time. <laughs> uh, you know, I've got a sales background, so I don't necessarily have the soft skills that good folks that would be in HR or leadership would have. And it was amazing to me how many times I got the wrong answer, like definitively the wrong answer the first time. But what I really liked about it was it gave you the opportunity to learn over time and to develop that skill as you're going through the training modules. And I think that that's something that's been missed and, and lost in a lot of the modern day trading that I've taken over my lifetime. And it just showed a really good breadth of fresh air of something that was not only uh, intuitive as far as forcing me to only pay attention to what I'm doing because I'm yeah. inside of it at the time. There's no other distractions. There's no longer, I'm going to do 10 minutes of this training and then go do something else for 15 and then come back and forget everything that I forgot or already learned already. Yeah. But what I liked about it was that it gave that really quick ability for me to learn what that new process or new skill would be and then immediately be able to reapply it and try that scenario again. So over the long term, I'm, I'm sure you're seeing really great long term success. Yeah. 
Yeah, we are. And, and you hit on a bunch of components that are, are kind of why it makes it so special. So, um, and, and special uh, in a lot of different use cases, but even more special when you apply it to soft skills first. So, um, you know, if you think about, well, let me go back uh, just a, a quick minute as to why we actually started here. So we were looking at just the power of the medium, um, you know, and this idea of kind of spatial um, uh, software, right? Um, and our ability to interact with content differently and what that could mean for learning outcomes. That was the origin. And then as we got into that, um, we started doing a, a study of, of where every um, leading organization or think tank uh, in the world was saying uh, skills were trending. And and from like 2012 to probably 2016, you know, every year these lists would start to come out. And every year uh, people were just predicting more and more of the top 10 skills were soft skill related. And so I was, said, well, we should really think about how to potentially use the power of this medium in that area. And then we started to unpack it a little bit more. And of course, when you Think about leadership or sales or or uh, managerial training or de-escalation training or any of these communication skills. The way we've done it prior was a combination of just video-based learning. Like, watch these principles and then, you know, good luck in the world, which is not uh, going to be effective. <laughs> um, uh, or or classroom-based uh, learning where, you know, you, you bring people in, you have impactful um, uh, uh, speakers and, and you teach people kind of the core skills and then you allow them to role play in the room. Um, and, you know, people generally walk away with a more, a more meaningful uh, experience there. But both of those completely lack what this is, right? Which is that here you've got a, um, a completely safe place to fail in practice, right? You're not being judged amongst a bunch of peers in a room which none of us enjoy that process. It's funny, even talking through this over the years with different facilitators, even the facilitators don't enjoy the process of, <laughs> of, of getting rooms to role play. So it's, it's, nobody likes it. I don't know why we keep doing it, but um, it pro we probably won't for much longer. But, um, and so the idea is, is that now you have this, this kind of safe place to fail. And, and in addition to that, the, uh, because we're using real-time technology and we're understanding what you say and we're, and we're, we're looking at your decisions on a, on a you know, almost per interaction basis, we can give you real-time feedback too. So we can give you coaching in the moment. And it's a combination of those two things that then, you know, turn this into like kind of, you know, uh, I wouldn't even put it in the same category as the old trainings. Um, because, yeah. And so, so. Uh, once we saw that early on, we said, okay, well, this, you know, we're hearing over and over and over again that because of how technology is disrupting the rest of work, the most important thing that we're going to need to rely on is our ability to communicate with each other and, and navigate uncertainty because we're going to live in a world where things just keep changing really fast. And so we need to be great collaborators. We need to be able to give really clear feedback. We need to be able to, to um, de-escalate situations that are going to happen often that we cannot predict. And so we said, let's, let's, let's wait in there as, as the starting point for what a, um, you know, a spatial learning experience platform might actually look like when you, when you think about it more holistically. And, uh, and we have seen like pretty insane results out of that. You know, uh, there's um, a widely quoted um, or widely referenced uh, uh, study for the PwC did with us early on um, uh, in the XR industry. And, and what they saw was we were generally seeing about, you know, four X, you know, we we're about four times faster to actually complete the, 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 the trainings. So you're doing it, you know, so, so that, that was a substantial savings over, over the other, the other methods they could have used. 
Um, people, as you said, a lot more focused. Um, you know, you know, you, you really can't not engage. So, you know, so I don't even know where, uh, uh, how, how you get a statistic of four times more focused, but it, I would just say it's like more of like a one or a zero. Like I'm focused on my outcomes and my learning objectives and my behavior change, or I'm probably not. But it's either I am or I'm not. It's no longer that I have that 15 minute video to watch, right? And I click yeah. it and then I'm going to go do something else and yeah. not watch any bit of it whatsoever. Not saying I've ever done that, not, not throwing myself under the bus in that way. But, you know, when you have the headset on, it gives you that spatial awareness that you have to be engaged. And I can see where that 4X number really comes in because you have to be that much more engaged with the scenario that you're seeing. And it feels more engaging. Yeah, I think you yeah. Well, that's other piece. It's more enjoy, it's more enjoyable too, right? That was one of our, 100%. our key. Um, yeah, one of our key value drivers as a company has always been this has to be fun. This has to be actually be enjoyable. You know, we're gonna we're entering a um a period where like obviously every single one of us has to just be actually looking forward to the continual continual development of our skill set. Right. And I would I would argue that wasn't how. A large portion of us viewed it, you know, the last like twenty years. It, it's kind of like, oh man, I got to learn another new thing. Yeah, check it. Yeah, and so uh, that engagement factor is huge, you know, and and so you really have to find ways to to again move the needle on that, um, so that people actually uh, uh, desire, you know, to kind of become infinitely curious and just keep and just keep coming back. Because that's kind of what businesses, I mean, that's what we all need to do at this point. You know, that's just the reality of the world we live in. Well, and I think uh, the biggest thing that I saw is that it's uniquely humanized, right? Mm -hmm. um, your characters that are inside of the training, they don't act as if the stereotypical training characters are going to be in this perfect scenario, which is what we're almost always handed inside yeah. of training. In here, it's not a perfect scenario. It's your ability where you're going to anger someone to the point where you're ready to fire them and they're banging their hands on the table. And that's life. That's the reality yeah. of it. And I think that was probably one of the beautiful things that I saw going through the application and seeing that this is what a real life scenario looks like. But you're not going to be able to train for this unless you have something like this, because yes. you're not going to run into those scenarios on a day-to-day -day basis. You may run into them once a year, maybe two or three times a year. But what I love about how the training setup is for you guys is it prepares you for when that instance does arise. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so w was that the initial intention was to make it feel authentic or yeah. what was the decision to make it go that way? Yeah, it was. So, um, I mean, there, there was some different success measures that we that we kind of outlined. So, so one is obviously if you're going to go down the road of of soft skills, you're you're trying to uh, um, be able to affect and measure behavior changes. Honestly, not actually ever been measurable before. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe periodically uh, over the course of several years, if you looked across performance reviews, you could kind of go, oh wow, now they have certain leadership skills that they didn't used to have, but. It's not really like a, 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 a an easy objective measure of a lot of these soft skills, and so, um, so one of the um, one of the things that we thought would be most important to to actually uh, 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 affecting that behavior change is uh, realism, and so emotional realism was where we really focused. Not so much like visual realism; it's about emotional realism, and. And I, I think a really simple example is, is if you sit in, in one of the modules, at least the thing that often, often 
first kicks me back. But then when I think about it, I'm like, oh, the reason it kicks me back is actually a bias, which is that our virtual humans are not a, 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 a lineup of supermodels. <laughs> you know, they, these feel like real, these feel like real people. These feel like your colleagues. These feel like people that you would interact with. And, and if I've, if you've gone into other, um, you know, in your example of watching the video of the perfect scenario, right. And the, with the perfect people, perfectly dressed in a perfectly decorated office, like, it just doesn't, you know, it just, some of that doesn't actually feel real. And then it feels like you're watching this facade. And so um, part of that emotional realism is, is all of those aspects and, and being kind of human centered about it and thinking about, well, it's not just, you know, being able to have good micro expressions and having good um, animation systems that can convey emotions and things like that. It's actually even just the quality of, of, of who you're sitting across from. Do they feel real? Uh, is there a persona behind that? Like we design personas behind all the characters um, just so that we actually feel like, okay, well, you know, you feel like you almost know them. Um, they're not just a, you know, not just a 3D avatar. Um, and so that, you know, that um, I think does help with, um, you know, one of the other things that we saw is, is people uh, reported that they were, you know, three, three to four times more emotionally connected to the content. Um, and, and that same PwC study. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that's like, okay, well, that, now that's a measure that's going to translate to behavior change because these topics are things that you have to actually feel and digest and then change. Well, and I can tell you firsthandedly, and we were speaking before we started the show today, I literally did one of these and I started noticing that I was sweating when yeah. I was having a conversation. And I don't get nervous around people. It doesn't bother me, but it was for whatever reason, I felt myself inside of the moment and I didn't want to say the wrong thing in order to anger the end employee any further than what I already had. Um, but it was funny because it, it gives that visceral reaction of you're seeing what you're saying and how it's being interpreted. And a lot of the times we all live in our own first person view yep. and we don't realize the the return on some of the things that we say and how they get interpreted and how it internally affects other people as well. And I thought that that was such a amazing divestiture from the standardized training that I've seen in the world right now. Um, yep. It's really, really, really exciting. I'm really excited to see what's coming next from you guys. I did have to ask you a question though. What uh, what was the name Tailspin? Where did that come from? And I hope it was the cartoon character Balloon. <laughs> Watch when I was a kid, but if it's not, I'll understand too. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because I, I I used to love the the Disney afternoons, but that's actually not where it came from. Um, the idea is we were we were uh, you know you, first as a startup you want to create something that's memorable. So we said okay, you know, we had a list of names that like we thought if we walked into a cold room in a nascent space in 2015 and tried to educate people on some crazy technology. Like how could they? How could when we walked out of the room could they remember us? So we had a we had a list of, of short names, but the actual concept was that um, let's take. So at the time, I was having a lot of conversations where people were perceiving um, the pace of change that was coming in the workforce as a very negative force, right? And and that and that you know everybody's losing their jobs and everybody's you know it was it was doom and gloom, right? So it was it was kind of the negative version of a tailspin. And, and that was um, when you talk to enterprises uh, about their talent uh, uh, development practices or their workforce transformation processes and things like that, like it had a real negative tone. And I said, we got to, you know, this has got to get flipped because, you know, first we have to get people to be actually excited about the changes in their own development inside of this, this now rapidly changing world. And so we decided, let's take that, that, that negative concept, flip it on its head. 
and and go out into the market and say like unless you're willing to embrace this like unless you're willing to embrace this there just isn't a future <laughs> and uh and and i'd get asked constantly well why that name and um and i'd tell them a story and, and then people we'd walk out of the room and people would remember us and we'd get a call you know nine months later i, I still remember that meeting that we had and and you know so it it, it was a half of a uh, a branding trick um you know for for memorability and and really but uh kind of more of a founding ethos, I think, to, to what we're trying to do, which is there's just a lot of these these forces that are um, at play now because of where we are in the development of, of technology and in our society that um, I think we would be better to, to look at them in a more positive or an optimistic um, spin, you know? And yeah. so that's what we've done. That makes perfect sense. I had to ask because I just had no idea. Yeah. I figure people want to know one way or the other. So for you, Kyle, um, I always like to ask everybody that comes on the show, like, what is one piece of technology that you simply can't live without? For me, it's Apple AirPods. They're probably in my ears 18 hours a day. But for you, what's that for you? Oh, boy. Um, you know, the, one of the things that I've actually really started to enjoy a lot, and I, and I do use every day, which is kind of in the same vein of the AirPods, is, is um, I, I have several pairs of sunglasses that have the embedded uh, audio in the in the frames. So oh, it's nice. kind of on the way to augmented reality glasses, right? And um, the convenience of that is so great. Um, and so, I, you know, I use it for conference calls all the time. I use it for uh, taking notes and, you know, calling up voice assistants and all that stuff. So I, I'd say that's one that if you haven't tried, um, it's also a great proxy to like kind of thinking about computing differently because it's kind of weird to just be walking in your neighborhood wearing like, you know, your sunglasses and talking to yourself talking to and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. asking questions about the weather or, or, you know, what, you know, whatever. Can I get a reservation here? Or, uh, or say, call my dad, and, and it just does it. You know, it's, it's this kind of idea of ambient computing, um, right. which is I hear very similar to, obviously, all of the little smart home speakers that we have in our, our house. I, I think I've, I always thought that that would be something that I, I would, wouldn't use as much as I do. And, I, and it's like, and it's really become ambient. Like, I don't, like, both, and, and honestly, it's, it's interesting just to watch my wife adopt that, because I'm much more of an early adopter than she is, but... Um, we're constantly both just using it for all sorts of stuff throughout the day. And so I look at that as a, a, a predictor, right. Of, of where we're heading with this kind of, this kind of spatial computing aspect where uh, once I can have, you know, kind of on demand visual components in, in AR and I can have that type of ambient computing. Um, I get super excited because I, I love computers. I grew up, you know, learning to code and design stuff, but I also hate computers. I'd like to be outside more and I'd like this video. You know, so it's like the idea of, being able to get the best of both worlds is just, you know, like mind-blowingly awesome. <laughs> um, you know, so that's what I'm, that, that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm probably most excited about. I think that's the true dichotomy of all of us who really love tech because we all really love tech, but also understand that we need to separate ourselves from it sometimes. And it's just such a tough balance that you have to go through. So follows up with the same question, but a different version of it. What's one piece of tech that if you could eliminate from this world, what would it be? Oh, boy. Mine would be uh, any sort of pop-up ads. Like if I could eliminate <laughs> pop-up ads my life for the rest of my life i'd be okay with it i i, I agree that one is I, honestly i'd even go one step further i would say uh uh in, incentive structures um that are like I, the, the entire freemium incentive structure of, of of using personal data 
Yes. Okay. You know, I like get behind. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I just want the trades to be more equitable. If I'm going to give you a lot of, of my time or my data, um, you know, I feel, I want to, I want to feel like I'm getting something equal in return. And I, I'd say that early on, uh, in those models, that was probably a pretty fair trade, you know, like, like if you thought about the first time you got free email or first time you got, you know, a free video streaming service or whatever, like that was like, whoa, I used to pay a lot of money for this. And then, you know, it felt, it felt pretty good. I think now we're in the, now I, I would say most of these trades, I feel like, you know, I'm kind of at the, the bad receiving end. It's um, a 95 to 5% split now. There's yeah. The majority. There's no doubt. Whereas, yeah, yeah before it used to be sign up for a free email and you're, you're fine, but you're also giving your personal information there. It was a good one-to-one trade-off. Now it feels a lot more like a 20-to-1, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, it, and I think it's reflected in, in you know, uh, like you look at your Instagram feed now. Like I would say, you know, I don't opt in for – I opt out of a ton of stuff. And it's and it's still right. – the utility of that for me has, has nearly gone away, um, which is sad because I think, you know, there's some really – uh, fun aspects to some of some of these tools, but I, yeah, I would say any, anything that falls in that category, I, I get I get excited about thinking of um, how could you rebalance that to be a more kind of equitable trade between the user and the platform. Makes perfect sense. Now I know Tailspin is always in the market looking for new developers, new designers, but what's in the next six to twelve month plan for Tailspin? Anything that you uh, can, I understand if you can. Yeah. But you can share with us that might be on the horizon? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, um, so we've been working, uh, since the last funding round on, on, um, some larger partnerships, to, you know, to kind of help accelerate the whole market here. And so, um, that's, that's broader than just soft skills content. It, you know, it's, a, it's again, kind of going towards that, that, that notion of a spatial learning experience platform. We've got a, we got a kind of a strong view on what we think that should look like. And again, like what's, what's the user experience? Like what, what is, um, uh, what are the concepts we're trying to get them to buy into to, to really embrace um, why go to one of these learning destinations? Um, so you'll see a lot of that coming to fruition. Um, you know, we're like I said, we're building some pretty pretty large products with with some um, some global leaders in education and, and workforce transformation, um, corporate training. So hopefully you'll see it expressed in, in several different places. Um, and then as a as a part of that, um, we really have a, a shifting need you know, internally for talent. So besides just uh, developers and uh, learning experience designers and product managers and all the all the people that we need to help mature the platform, uh, we're also really starting to foster a lot of community um, because our our uh, our view of, of, of what we'd like to try to do here is is somewhere between like um, you know what you've seen with uh, Udemy which is kind of like a creator platform, you know, creator and a publishing platform for, for individuals to publish training content and monetize their knowledge. Awesome. Uh, and it really is, it lets everybody kind of be in, in the game in that area. Um, so if you think about that, that, that creator economy and you think about um, Roblox as another model where, you know, it's also a creator economy, it's a world building place, it's obviously for gaming, but if you bring those two concepts together, um, that's really where you start to have this 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 notion of what we're trying to build, and, and the no code platform is obviously a, a, a first you know pillar of that. But there's a lot more um, there's a lot more you know we we've got to, to do there before we're we're really truly where we want to be. So we're it's so we, uh, uh, it's always yeah yeah. 
Go ahead. <laughs> well, I just think it's interesting. You know, obviously, it's it's such a universal platform that can be utilized, and uh, it, obviously, it's mainly for gaming. But the idea is only this far away from being a reality in the world of business and being adapted, mm-hmm. like you were just saying. I've heard that more than once, and I think that that's such a and a great idea to have to meld the two together in order to make it functionality uh, work-wise as far as the business world is concerned, because yep. now it's just utilized for gaming, but there's so much more that it can be developed into, and yep. it's great that you can already see that that path is already there for you, and a lot of folks will end up seeing that game and be like, okay, well, that's just that, but... People said the same thing about Minecraft 15, 20 years ago, and look what type of worldwide phenomenon that has turned into already. Well, and, it's, saying- it, and, it, and, it, and it, I think what what's interesting about Roblox is, um, you know, they've they've created the rules for kind of creation in their little in their little you know microverse, metaverse, whatever you want to call whatever you want to call it. Um, and then within those rules, obviously, people found very very creative ways to do things that. Um, work across a broad spectrum of types of interactions. And so, um, and, and, and so, you know, if you take that into the business world uh, and, and take it out of like, and of course every game has an art style and has, you know, it has a, it has a meta loop that uh, gets those gamers to engage and all that kind of stuff. So, but, but those, those are usually just, you know, more specific to, to, to the game uh, concept where if you think about it in the business world, it, it's, it's about how do I create the tools for people to build these smaller learning universes, um, which is which is consists of obviously a virtual location, consists of uh, interactions. So in the case of the soft skills, you know we talked about kind of the simulated conversations and interactions that, that you can have. Um, in the case of objects and process based learning, there's a different set of interactions, and then and then in the business world, of course, you you need to be able to give people the tools to uh, curate that in a way where they can achieve their business outcome. Um, where in Roblox, it, I mean, it, it's almost self-governed. It's like the, right. the players self-govern it and, and they create, they create rules of this Roblox society. Um, and, and people, um, you know, and, you know, uh, agree to kind of go along where the business version obviously is a little bit different. And, and, but there's the core concepts are, are kind of, uh, similar, um, where you're trying to take, uh, you know, no code or, or, or essentially really flexible tools to allow creators, um, to build these learning, uh, modules and the little learning, uh, microverses. And so I use the Udemy model because, you know, they've done that in, in using video, you know, they've, they've given those tools and the publishing capability, um, to do accomplish that. So you think about those two things kind of coming together and if, and if you can visualize the, uh, uh, you know what? What do we think this this future of of um, spatial software looks like? Um, you know, it starts to get pretty fun, and and that's where we're. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd say we're getting closer and closer by the month now to be able to kind of fully express that after you know nearly seven years. So it's crazy to think that it's already been seven years on your end, but at the same time, I can already see just from my end how far ahead you are in the game from a lot of other folks that are inside of the space and. I got to tell you, Kyle, I'm super excited to see what Tailspin brings to the table now and going forward. And uh, for anybody that's watching our interview today, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Let's say if they are a developer or a designer, or even if they just want to follow you on social media, anywhere specific you want them to go? 
Um, I mean, the, our site's always the best because um, that's, you know, we, we really do try and keep that up to date with all the kind of relevant um, building blocks of what we're trying to do. So that that's just tailspin.com. Um, and then, uh, uh, you know, I would say uh, other than that on, on Twitter, I'm, I'm, my handle is, is KJ Planet. Um, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not incredibly active on Twitter, but, but if, if anybody reaches out, I'm going to, I'm going to see it. So. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for being here with us. Um, it was a great conversation with you today, Kyle. I really enjoy getting to learn more about Tailspin and for, uh, all of our audience back at home. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Emerging Technologies and Business. If you liked our content, feel free to put a like or a comment down below. We'll put some information for Tailspin down below as well. And follow us on social media at ETIB Podcast or Canon XR. And we look forward to talking more tech with you guys the next time. Talk to you later.